Welcome to the Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. This simple, scripturally sound preaching and teaching of the Word of God will direct you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Follow the Shepherd's Voice into the green pastures that God has purposed for you. There, you'll find rest for your soul and the fulfilled Christian experience you crave. God bless you as you listen. It's always in the name of the Lord and to come to you with the living word of God that is able to save our souls. Hallelujah. Amen. And this morning, I want to continue sharing with you what I started last week Sunday. Last week Sunday, um, I started a series and the title of it is that I may know him. Is that not so? That I may know him. And who do you want to know? Is it the president of Ghana? Is it the queen of England? Is it the president of the United States of America? Is it the Mafia of the Anglo Traditional Council? No. Who is it that you want to know? I can't hear you. Who is it that you want to know? Who? Jesus. 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 That I may know him. And so today I'm sharing with you the second part of the message. Turn your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And we are reading from verse number 7. Philippians chapter 3. And reading from verse number 7. So keep the scripture on, Philippians chapter 3, and reading from verse number 7. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. So the Apostle Paul here is referring to things like being circumcised things like you know being a pure breed Jew or Hebrew he talked in the earlier verses about the fact that he belonged to the sect of the Pharisees and that he was also a very zealous person so he was recounting some of his credentials and some of his achievements but then he gets to this point and he says that all these things that were valuable to him at a certain point in his life, he is considering them worthless because of what Christ has done. Can I have an amen? amen? Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Lift up your right hand and say, knowing Jesus is priceless. Knowing Jesus is invaluable i can't put a price to it and i can't even value it tell your neighbor that i may know him 
For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Remember that by grace are we saved through faith. Is that not so? Then he goes on to say something very profound. I want to know Christ. And experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. Sharing in his death. So that one way or another... I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. Mm. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Clap your hands for the reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, I mentioned to you last week's Sunday that there are two, if you like, broad categories of Christians we can identify. Two broad categories of Christians that we can find today. The first category is made up of those who are practicing religion. And then the second category is made up of those who have a relationship with Jesus. And especially in our generation, this generation of Christians and believers, you realize that this is what seems to be happening. Unfortunately, the first category is the largest. That category of those who are practicing religion. And what do I mean by practicing religion? They go to church. They worship, they give offerings, they pay their tithe, they sing in the choir, they are part of the prayer team, and I mean, basically, they are doing things. But there is something deeper in the Christian experience than just going to church, than just singing worship songs, than just dancing before the Lord. There is another level of the Christian experience that has to do with having a personal, a deep, a first-hand, intimate relationship with Jesus. And the category of Christians that are doing this, unfortunately, is the smallest. Not so many people can say that they know him. And I mentioned to you last week that To have a relationship with Christ, it means that you must know him. 
Because how can you have a relationship with somebody that you do not know? It doesn't work out. To really know somebody well, you need to and you must have a relationship with that person. Can I have an amen? And so I made you write down three very important points last week. Number one, that the goal of the Christian life is to know Christ, be known by him and to be like him. Do you remember that you wrote that down? Alright. Then the second thing I made you jot down is that to know Christ is not an event. It's a continuous, perpetual journey or experience. So when we talk about knowing Christ, we are not just talking about a one-off event that occurred and that is the end of it. That's not what it is. Now, it's very interesting, you know, that the author of the scripture that we read in Philippians chapter 3 was the great apostle Paul himself. And at the time that he was writing this, he was coming to the closing stages of his ministry. In fact, he was in prison when he wrote this letter to the church in Philippi. And he was aware that in the not so distant future, he was actually going to be killed. He knew it. That's why at the point you could say that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Round about the time that he wrote this epistle to the Philippians, he had achieved and accomplished a lot of things for the kingdom of God. Many of the things that he did, that we know about, you know, round about this time, he had already achieved those things. Hallelujah. And if you check the New Testament of the Bible, you discover that Half of it was written by this apostle Paul. He went on many missionary journeys. He preached to so many people and God used him powerfully. Yet, at the closest stages of his ministry, he lifts up his voice and says that I may know him. That I may know him. Does it mean that he didn't know Christ? He knew him. But what he was trying to explain is that the knowledge that every child of God must have of Christ Jesus is a continuous thing. It's a perpetual thing. You never get to a point where you say that I have finished learning everything there is to know about my Lord and Savior. Tell your neighbor that I may know him. And that's why I'm emphasizing that knowing Christ is not an event. It is a continuous perpetual journey or experience and then the third important thing that i made you write down is that knowing christ should be more relational rather than informational it should be more relational rather than informational of course you can know somebody by knowing a lot about the person but there is another level to which you can know a person and that level is where you actually have a relationship with a person. Because it's possible to know a lot about somebody. But you've never even met the person before. You can give a lot of information about the person. And when we go deeper, I'm going to show you that knowing a person also involves having a lot of information about the person. But that's not where it ends. And knowing Christ... It's far more than just having a lot of information about him. 
It has to do with a relationship that you have with him. You relate with him. You walk with him. You talk to him. And you are close to him. Hallelujah. Remember that we are talking about knowing Christ or knowing him. Now, there are four things that we are trying to establish by this teaching. Number one, what does it mean to know Christ? Number two, how can we know Christ? Number three, what are the signs and evidence that we are progressing in our knowledge of Christ? And then number four, what are the benefits of knowing Christ? So I believe that we we started looking at the first one. What does it mean to know Christ? Hallelujah. Now, a message like this is a message that you just don't rush through. Because it's a very deep message. And I believe that God impressed it on my heart to share this message with us all. Because of a certain trend that is so prevalent with the believers of today. Which is that most Christians and many of today's believers, they don't really know Jesus for themselves. That their knowledge of him, as I explained to you last week, is based on what somebody else knows. Or all that they know about him is based on what their pastor said, what their prophet said, what their man of God said, what their woman of God said to them. And so they seem to be riding on the wings of somebody else's experience and knowledge and relationship with Jesus. And I explained to you last week that it's a very dangerous thing because you can actually miss your place in heaven because you did not progress in, 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 in your Christian walk to the point where you can say that I know him. And that is why I'm taking my time to share this message with you. It's not a message that has a lot of take it one, take it two, take it three. Are you not tired of taking it? Okay, don't be tired of taking it. But this message is not about take it one, take it two, and take it three. That's not what it is. May you know Jesus. Know him, take it one. Know him, take it two. Know him, take it three. I receive him, but that, you don't just know him by receiving. There are things that you have to do. And, and, and there are moves that you have to make to be able to know him. So we read a scripture that I want to run through again. First John chapter 1 verse 1 to 3. 1 John chapter 1 verse 1 to 3. Reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us. And we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the father. And then he was revealed to us. 
we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard. So you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. These were the words of the great apostle John. John the Revelator. Or John who is described as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And if I want to summarize what he's saying here. What he's actually saying here in these three verses of scripture is that I know him. I know him. And with the rest of the disciples who walked with him, we know him. That's what he's saying. So, what does it really mean to know Christ? We can deduce it from everything that he wrote here. Number one, to know Christ means to be familiar or conversant with him. To be familiar or conversant with him. What it means is that you've actually met or encountered him. That's what it means to know Christ. And that's what it means to say that you know somebody. Or this is one aspect of knowing somebody. You've actually met the person or you have actually encountered the person. And you can do that by sight. That means that you've seen the person. So sometimes when somebody says, I know another person, it means that I, I, I can recognize him. I know him. I know his features. When I see him, I know that this is him. So you can know somebody by sight. You can know somebody through his voice. And you can know somebody by his touch. So if you read the scripture that we just read in 1 John chapter 1. He says, whom we have seen and heard. He said, we saw him with our own eyes. And look at another thing that he said. We touched him with our hands. Because there's a lot you can know about somebody through a touch. I mentioned to you last Sunday that blind people have developed their other senses. So there are things that they recognize by their touch. They can feel your face and be able to tell you who you are if they really know you. So they know you by touch, not by sight. Can I have an amen from somebody? So when you say you know Christ, it means that you are familiar or conversant with him. You and I have not seen him with our two eyes. That's why John himself wrote somewhere else and said, though we have not seen him, yet we have loved him. You and I were not there when Jesus walked the earth. We were not there. But we've encountered him. And we've met him. And one of the things we can say for sure is that he touched our lives. And that is why we have a relationship with him. So, to know Christ means to be familiar or conversant with him. Number two. I, I, I did just one point last Sunday, Anna. Alright. Now, to know Christ is to be enlightened about him. To be enlightened about him. 
that means that he's not a mystery to you he's not a mystery to you he's not hidden to you you are not in the dark where he's concerned or you can shed light about him so when you say you know Christ it means that you are enlightened about him there, 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 there is so much light that you can shed about him he's not a mystery to you you can actually shine some light on who he is on what his mission was on what he came to do so to know Christ means that you are enlightened about him I had a story I don't know whether it's, it's real or it's one of these things that people make up to make others happy but I had a story of somebody who went to a remote village somewhere and he decided to witness to the people there now he met one gentleman and he asked the person do you know Jesus? And the guy said, Debbie, I don't know him. Then he asked him that, why, does he live in this town? Can you describe him for me? Or your tinting and also your tietia, or your kessia and also your wine. Or your wine. So, obviously, this is somebody who doesn't know Christ. And he is so bereft of what it means to know Christ that as his name is even mentioned, he thinks that the person is referring to somebody who lives in his village. He doesn't have any information. Christ is a total mystery to him. So when you say that you know Christ, what you are actually saying is that I am enlightened about him and I'm not in the dark where he's concerned. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number three, to know Christ means that you are informed about him. You are informed about him. And I alluded to this earlier on when I was making the point that knowing Christ is more relational than informational. But it doesn't mean that having a lot of information about Christ is not part of knowing him. It is. So to know somebody it means that you have a lot of information about the person and it means that there's so much you can say about the person and the average christian of today cannot say so much about christ or what they can say about christ is based on what their pastor told them they've not searched it out for themselves They are not like the believers in Berea whom I spoke to you about last week that they were more noble and they were more open-minded than the disciples or the believers in Thessalonica. Because when Paul and Silas came to Berea and prayed to them, they received them gladly. They had them eagerly. But that's not where it ended. Afterwards, they went back take their Bible, search through the scriptures to find out whether the things that Paul and Silas said to them 
were true or not. But this is something that you don't see with a lot of believers of today. You don't see it. It's like once my prophet has said it, that settles it. Once my pastor has preached it, that is it. And I'm telling you, it's one of the most dangerous things that you can find yourself caught up in. Where you just take everything that is said to you and you don't ask questions. You don't scrutinize what is being said to you. You don't, because even the scriptures you don't know, because you don't know the one of the scriptures, you don't know Jesus of the scriptures. So if somebody is even deceiving you or somebody is leading you astray, ole. And so we have turned our pastors, our men of God, our women of God, we've turned them into magicians who must always perform. Every direction that we need for our lives, we need to go to them. If Papa hasn't spoken, I cannot make a move. If Mommy hasn't given direction, I cannot make a move. Of course, I'm not saying anything as ridiculous as that you don't need a man of God or a woman of God in your life. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm explaining to you that don't just leave things at that level. Know him for yourself. Know him for yourself. Have a lot of information about him. You should get to a point in your Christian experience where when you hear something and it is not correct, you get a certain person. It is not true. But how would you be able to say these things? How would you be able to know if somebody is spinning you a tall tale? Unless you are into the scriptures and you know him for yourself. So that as somebody is speaking about him, you know that what he's saying is not really true. You know, <laughs> this week I, I was talking to one, one of uh, my sons and he was telling me about how angry he had been. Now what happened was that he heard something that another person said I had said and the person had given a certain interpretation to I mean a visit that I went to, I went to visit him I mean I was in the neighborhood and I went to visit him and the interpretation that the person put to the visit was a very wild one and this other son of mine heard about it and he was very angry and his reaction was that you don't know him. You don't know Pastor Johnny. For you to interpret his visit to you to mean this, then you don't know him. But the reason why he could speak in that way and be so indignant and angry about what the person said was because he knows me. 
So he knew that the information that the person was spreading, it is not true. You don't know him. And the reason that you think he came to you for, that's not what it is. Can I have an amen from somebody? So I'm telling you, to know Christ, you must have a lot of information about him. Number four, to know Christ means that you are versed, versed, V-E-R-S-E-D, versed. You are versed in things to do with him. That means that you can skillfully talk about him. If you are versed in something, it means that you can skillfully talk about the thing. So you see a lot of young men who are versed in football. So they can talk about a lot of things. They can tell you the matches that were played yesterday in the English Premier League. And who beat who. And who scored. They can tell you about the French League about PSG, that Messi did not play in their match yesterday, but they still won 4-2. They can tell you about the Diamond League event in Eugene, in the United States of America. Who won the 100 meters women? Who won the 200 meters women? Who won the 200 meters men? They, they can tell you this because they are well-versed. Yeah, in it. And when you say you know Christ... It means that you can speak skillfully about him. And that is something that most Christians of today cannot do. That's why most Christians of today cannot even witness to somebody about Jesus. They can't. They can't. Because they are not well versed in him, his mission, his purpose, the reason for which he came. So if you tell the average Christian that we are going for soul learning, do you know soul learning and evangelism? You find that the average Christian doesn't want to go some. Because I want some more, Becca. You need to be so well versed in him because that is what shows that you know him. So when you go talking about Jesus, and you meet certain kinds of people, it's not a problem for you. Because, because a lot of today's Christians, if they go and meet a Muslim, and they try to witness to the Muslim, what will happen is that they themselves will end up, they will tuba. They'll be so confused by what the Muslim will tell them. Or you've not met some of them before. Eh? You went to witness to the fellow. But by the time you finish, you'll be so confused about what you believe in. You can easily convert to the Islamic religion. It shows that you are not well versed in the one whose name you profess. So when you say that you know Christ, one of the things that we are saying by that is that I am well versed in him and I can speak skillfully about him. Can I have an amen from somebody? Now, the next major thing we want to look at. So, we've just finished talking about what it means to know Christ. What it means to know Christ. And to recap, to know Christ means to be familiar or conversant with him. 
That means you've actually met or encountered him. Number two, to know Christ means you are enlightened about him. That means that you are not in the dark where he's concerned. You can shed a lot of light about him. Number three, to know Christ means that you are informed about him. You have a lot of information about him. And there's so much that you can say about Christ. Number four, to know Christ means to be versed in things to do with Christ. That means you can speak skillfully about him. And there's so much that you can say about his life, about his ministry, about the places he went to, about the miracles that he did, about his interaction with the Pharisees, about the people that he raised from the dead, about why he had to go to the cross, about the fact that he went to hell after he died, about the fact that he stayed in hell for three days, about the fact that when he went to hell, he went to minister to the souls that were held in captivity there, about the fact that when he ascended on high he took captivity captive you can speak about the present day ministry of jesus that jesus is not standing in the corner singing hallelujah hallelujah amen but rather he's seated by the right hand side of the father that he's our high priest and our intercessor and he ever lived to make intercession for you and for me you are well versed in him that's what it means to know christ how can we know christ how can we know Christ? Number one, you can know Christ, it starts with believing in Him. To know Christ, you must start by believing in Him and accepting Him into your heart as your Lord and Savior. That's the beginning. This is the initial meeting that you must have with Christ. Believing in him, receiving him, accepting him into your heart as your Lord and Savior. That is the starting point of the relationship with Christ. That is the starting point of getting to know him. It means you have to become born again. You can't know him without being born again. You can't. So to know Christ, it starts with believing in him and accepting him into your heart as your Lord and Savior. John chapter 1 verse 10 to 13. John chapter 1 verse 10 to 13. New Living Translation. He came into the very world he created. But the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Hallelujah. Now this is describing the born again experience. And describing how the, fa the, the fact that Jesus came to his own people. And they didn't recognize him. If you don't recognize somebody, it means that you don't know him. Is that not so? But when you recognize somebody, it's a sign and an indication that you know him. 
But then he turned away from these people who refused to know him. And he says, as many as received him and believed in him, he gave them power to become the sons of God. That is the beginning of that whole journey and that whole experience of getting to know Jesus. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now, you don't just eat with anybody at all. You, 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 just, you just don't do that. People that you sit at table with to eat, usually. I mean, of course, you can go to a restaurant or a chop bar, especially chop bar. And there are tables around, so you gather, you're sitting and somebody is sitting here and everything. That's not what I'm talking about. But where you are actually with somebody sitting with the person and eating and relating with the person it's not just anybody at all that you do that with it means that you have a relationship with the person to be able to do that some people eat with those they are very close to from the same bowl it's not just anybody at all that you eat this thing. You, you, you do things like that with. So, if you find yourself sitting with somebody and eating with the person and flowing and chatting and all, it means that you must know the person. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says that I will enter in and sup with him. But the beginning of it is that you must open the door for him to come in. Because if he doesn't come in, you cannot graduate from there into something more intimate and into something deeper. So to know Christ, to really know him, the starting point is you must open your heart to him and receive him as your Lord and your Savior. That is how you start. And I'm sure you've heard it said before that a journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. So this is the first step to knowing Christ. Where you receive him into your heart. You open the door of your heart to him. You believe in him. You receive him as Lord and Savior. That is what starts that whole exciting journey into knowing him and working closely with him. Can I have an amen? Number two, to know Christ. You must cultivate and develop the relationship. You must do what? cultivate and develop the relationship the starting point is to let him into your heart that's the beginning of the relationship but it doesn't just end there and unfortunately that is where it ends for most Christians I'm born again I speak in tongues Look, a lot of Christians have reduced a relationship with Christ to speaking in tongues. Now, once I go to church, once I speak in tongues and go for all night and all of these things, it means that I know Christ. Oh, Mali, it doesn't mean that. You can't survive with that. There is a deeper level that you must get into. 
And it's those who go deeper. They are the ones who enjoy their relationship with him. It's like me. I, I, I don't know how to swim. Unfortunately. When I go to the seaside, do you see her? I don't know the brothel for her. But that, that's, that's, that's the highest level. Now say I will put my whole body into the sea. <laughs> my knee. Eh? Ashen. Sister, it's a brothel. I see a friend is Shane. And you she know. Shane. That's the maximum you get from me. But what I think it is, is that those who who actually can swim and can get into the thing and have the waves roll over them, they are the ones who seem to be enjoying the sea no more. Now those of us, when you see that the sea is coming, then the... And that's a similar situation with knowing Christ. You can't just stay at the fringes of being born again. You've let him into your heart. That's cool. But to really know him, you got to go deeper. And you go deeper by cultivating and developing the relationship with him. You just don't stay at that initial stage. You have to spend time with him. That's how you develop a relationship with somebody. You spend time with the person. Is that not so? Eh? You communicate with the person. So to know Christ, you must cultivate and develop the relationship with him. A relationship that starts with you getting born again and giving your life to Christ. That's the starting point. But it cannot end there. You got to go deeper. You got to cultivate that relationship. You have to develop it. And you do that by fellowshipping with him, by communicating with him, by spending time with him. There's no other way. There's no other way. There is no other way. And we do this primarily through studying his word and prayer. Studying his word and prayer. Not just going to listen to preaching. You studying his word for yourself. And prayer. I knew about my wife before I met her through a mutual friend of ours. And even before I had met her, she had been doing me rough because I was teaching her friend math her friend was going to write O-level math. And she was also going to do same. And I used to teach her friend. And I was very good 
in math. And I had different strategies for solving mathematical problems and equations. So when this her friend went to visit and they were discussing their, the exams that they were going to write and all that, this her friend would show her some of the strategies that I taught her. And they were like shortcuts. So she started doing me rough and she gave me a name in those days, a true shortcut. Meanwhile, I didn't met her. I didn't know her from anywhere. So her friend came back and told me about this her friend who was chopping me rough and had given me the name a true shortcut. Then when I went to the university, she lived in a town close by, a town called Bomso. That's where she lived. And one day I was in my room at the university campus, Independence Hall, room 32A. I stayed in one room throughout my stay in the university. Independence Hall, the annex, room number 32. I was there when she, this is my wife and her friend, they came to visit. And that's when I met her for the very first time. But it was the beginning. It was the beginning of a relationship that was going to develop. Then along the line, I started visiting her in her house. She showed me where she lived. Uh, I started visiting her. So it was one visit, followed by another visit, followed by another visit, followed by another visit. And the visits became longer. Because now, come on, we're there. Yes, please. Whoop, whoop. I was doing things. Hey, when, when it is even time to go, I don't want to go. And sometimes the game we used to play on the road. Pray for all parents. Oh. You, a parent, you have sent your child to school. So, because you are electrical engineering. What could you chase? Fantini asantini baby e wo nifie e wo bomb so. Wo call ye so hours after 11 p.m. and I walk up. I don't tell anybody that I told you. So now, when it's even time to go, she go and see me off to a point. Then I'll tell her that, oh, you've come too far, la. Let me also go and see you off. Then it's like, oh, you've also come too far. Let me go and see it off. Then it's like, that's all that is happening on the road. It started off with hearing about her. Then I got to meet her. And then the relationship was developed and it was cultivated. Fast forward to present day, she's, I am married to her. That's how you so it it, it it doesn't end with just meeting the person. It's something that has to be developed and it's something that has to be cultivated. 
Look at this scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. This is the apostle Paul writing. He said, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Now notice, you know, something very curious he says. He says, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. He says, I know whom I have believed. What he's saying is that I have believed in him, but that's not just the end of it. I know him. And that's why I'm explaining to you that the starting point is giving your heart to him, believing in him, receiving him as your Lord and your Savior. But it doesn't end there. Now, you, get, you, got, you got to go deeper in that relationship with him. That is how you know the person. You need to cultivate it. You need to develop it. I know whom I have believed. And remember that what I just said also, that you do so by spending time with the person, by, by communicating with the person, by having fellowship with the person. And you do it primarily through the word of God and through prayer. So look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 to 21. Somebody shout and say that I may know him. Or say it again, that I may know him. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 16 to 21. Now this is another person who knew Christ. And like the apostle John, this is the apostle Peter. They had a physical encounter with Christ. They saw him with their physical eyes. They heard him audibly. They heard his voice. They touched him. So now Peter is describing his whole experience. He says, for we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's explaining that they knew him. He says, we saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. This is a New Living Translation, please. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. So Peter is describing that experience on the Mount of Transfiguration where he went up the mountain with um, James and John and the Lord Jesus and Moses and Elijah appeared to them. He says, the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Then he goes on to say, we ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So by this statement, Peter is also saying that I know him. I know him. But where does that leave the rest of us? Because we we haven't had such an experience. A physical, visible experience. Audible experience of Jesus. We have not had that. Now, he goes on to say, because of that experience, the experience that he had, that John had, 
that those who were there when Jesus walked the earth, the experience that they had. He says, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote. For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, shines in your heart. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Now, Peter is talking about something that was written by the prophets of old. And what he's describing is the word of God. That's what he's describing. He's talking about the word of God. Because the word of God is what contains the writings of the prophets and the ancient men of old. And he's explaining that the things that they wrote were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so you can have confidence in the things that they wrote. So Peter is drawing our attention to the word of God. And he says something here. That you must pay close attention to what they wrote. I'm talking about the word of God. The word of God. You must pay close attention to it. For their words are like a lamp shining in the dark place. Until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. In other words. Through the word of God. Through what holy men in ancient times wrote what has been captured in the bible you can actually know christ and that's why i'm saying to you that knowing christ to cultivate and develop that relationship with him you need to spend time and have fellowship with him in his word through the word through the bible because we may not i mean there are exceptions to these things where you can actually have a certain you know, physical encounter with Jesus. I mean, there are people who have had that. I haven't had that. And that is the situation for most Christians. So how can you know Christ? How can you develop your relationship with him? How can you cultivate your relationship with him? By spending time with him in his word. In his word. Because his word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And that is the cardinal ways by which you can develop your relationship with Christ. Through the Bible. Through his word. Because the more you delve deep into the word of God, the more you get to know him and the closer you become to him. Hallelujah. And then also, through prayer. Look at Exodus chapter 33, reading from verse 11. New Living Translation. Exodus 33, reading from verse 11. Now, this is talking about a certain encounter that Moses had with God. It says, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord will speak to Moses face to face. Did you see that? He will speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. So obviously Moses had a very deep intimate relationship with God. Said that God would speak to him face to face. 
Now, I know that it's difficult for us to imagine it because we've thought that, I mean, the way God is, you can't look into his face and live. It is true. But throughout scripture, you discover that there are times when God actually manifested himself to certain people. And I believe that he manifested himself without his glory. Otherwise, they could not have seen him. Because God appeared to Abraham. He appeared to him. If you read Genesis 18, remember when um, um, Abraham was just relaxing under some palm trees and he saw three men coming to him. One of them was God and the other two were angels. So he saw, he saw God. And what confirms that that experience was not, what was actually a physical encounter was the fact that he went to organize water for them to wash their hands. So God could wash his hands. He went to organize food for them to eat. So God ate that day. So he saw him face to face. So when the Bible talks about Moses speaking to God face to face, it is something that can actually happen. Yeah. But it's not the usual experience. And God has decided that for most Christians and believers, we will have to walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Afterward, Moses will return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, the son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Then one day Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me, I know you by name, and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways, so that I may understand you more fully, and continue to enjoy your favor, and remember that this nation is your very own people. What I want you to notice from this scripture, was that Moses could actually commune with God he could talk to God and God could talk to him and it was a physical encounter it's something that he saw God face to face and God could speak and you hear God speaking and he will speak and God will hear him speaking but this experience that Moses had the equivalent of that experience is what we can experience in prayer in prayer so you can see from what I read that Moses was very close to God he could talk to him and God could speak back to him now how can we have such an encounter especially if God hasn't decided to reveal himself physically to us the way to have that encounter apart from studying the word of God is by spending time with God in prayer Remember that I'm talking about cultivating and developing your relationship with Jesus. And to do that, you need to spend time with him. You need to have fellowship with him. And I'm saying to you that to spend time with him and have fellowship with him, it has to be through his word and through prayer. There's no other way around it. God, there's a level that you can get to when you pray. You speak to God and God speaks to you. Sometimes it's difficult to explain it. But when you've had it, when you've had that experience, you know that it is real. So that is how to cultivate and develop your relationship with Jesus. You ask me, how do I know Christ? How can I know Christ? This is one of the ways. By spending time with him. Reading his word. Praying. And nobody can do that for you. And you cannot just write on other people's experiences. You have to do, you have to go through this for yourself.
And that's why you must have your own personal quiet time. That's why you must do Bible study on your own. Anytime you are doing these things, you are developing your relationship with Christ. And I'm emphasizing again, nobody can do it for you. You, you, you have to go through this yourself. So if your pastor doesn't push you or drive you to do these things, then he's not helping you. He's not helping you. And one of the things that I have resolved that I'm going to do with all those whom God gives to me to pastor is to drive them to Jesus and to push them for them to have a personal experience with him. I don't want any sheep that God gives to me to just hang on my words. That because I said it or because I preached it, that is all there is to it. No. I want you to have that encounter, that experience with Jesus for yourself. I want you to know him for yourself. And there's no other way around it. You got to spend time with him. You got to have your quiet time. You got to read the Bible. You got to listen to good preaching. You got to read Christian books that are based on the word of God. And by the way, And I'm closing with this. Look, you need to become so skillful in the Bible, in the word of God itself. Such that if you are reading something that has been written by a man of God and what he's written does not line up with the scriptures and he's not rightly dividing the word of truth you should be able to see it that's the level that i want you to get to. don't say that because a man of god preached because a pastor preached everything is okay everything is not okay one day kenneth hagen went to minister in somebody's church another pastor's church and he stayed with the pastor and then he saw in the pastor's living room on a table some books written by some man of God. And when he saw the books, he asked his friend that you read these books? And I said, I read them. And he said that I don't read these books at all. He said that, ah, but they were written by a man of God. And then he explained to him that it may look like the word of God. But the things that have been written in it are poison. That's what he explained to him. And then he gave this analogy. That when you want to catch or kill a mouse, what do you usually do? You can set a trap. There's a mouse trap. But what others also do? And I lived somewhere some time ago and there were mice there so I sent somebody to go and buy rat poison but I just didn't put the poison there I had to put it in food so that when the mice 
or the rats eat the food, they will end up eating the poison and I'll be able to get them. So the fact that a book or a message has been produced by a man of God, it doesn't mean that you should swallow everything hook, line, and sinker. That is why I'm saying to you, we got to know Christ for ourselves. Otherwise, you will end up poisoning your system. I'm telling you. You can end up poisoning your system. So you should know God for yourself. And I tell you, there are good messages around. There are good books around. And you need them. But your development in your Christian experience should be such that when you read something and detain and koye, you should be able to know that this is not correct. And you reject it. You should be able to see through the things you listen to and the things that you read and know that this is really the word of God. And this one, it is wrongly dividing the word of truth. You can develop your relationship with Christ and cultivate it by even the music that you listen to. Christian gospel music. So these are all different ways by which you can develop and cultivate your relationship with Christ. If you say that, how do I know Christ? How can I get to know him? These are the things that you can do. Spend time with him. Fellowship with him. Commune with him. Through his word. Through prayer. Through quiet time. Through reading good Christian material. Through listening to good Christian preaching. And all these things will help you to develop your relationship with Christ. And you will go deeper and deeper into him. And then you can say that I know Christ. Hallelujah. You know, our time is up. And so we are going to continue next week Sunday by the grace of God. Clap your hands and bless the name of Jesus. That I may know him. That I may know him. Let us pray. Perhaps you found yourself watching this broadcast. I don't know how, because this is a private uh, broadcast, but all kinds of mysterious things can happen. But deep inside you, you realize that you don't know Jesus, and you haven't even started that whole journey of getting to know him. Because it starts with you becoming born again. Today, by the grace of God, I want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus and to become born again. That's how you can know him. And knowing him is priceless. It's invaluable. You can't compare it to anything else that you've experienced. And that's why I want to invite you to give your heart to Jesus. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. Close your eyes and pray this prayer with simple childlike faith believing in every word that you speak and I assure you that Jesus will come into your heart and it will mark the beginning of a new relationship with him a relationship that you get to know him more and more say this prayer with me my friend say heavenly father today I come to you just as I am oh God please forgive me for all my sins Please wash me with the blood of Jesus. 
from today i accept jesus as my lord and my savior for the rest of my life i will serve him and i'll follow him he will be my lord he'll be my master and i'll be his child oh god please reveal jesus to me may i go deeper into knowing him please write my name in the book of life i thank you father for hearing my prayer i am saved i am saved i am born again i am a child of god thank you father in jesus mighty name amen god bless you my friend for praying this prayer Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. We do hope that you were greatly blessed. For further inquiries, please call, WhatsApp, or send an SMS text to plus 233-243-886-622. God bless you.